Well, good morning and uh, welcome to High Life. Uh, thank God for this day and thank God for this year. And thank you for joining us uh, every week uh, in our house churches and uh, for those who are online, uh, thank you for joining our broadcast. Uh, you know, the, the word says that the path of the just is like the shining light that shines brighter and brighter. Um, we are moving towards a specific destination and the Lord is paving our path with revelation. I'm just so excited uh, to be in partnership uh, with you and for us as a community as we embrace God's purpose for us in the season and move into it. Well, uh, I'm uh, excited to teach this morning. Um, the title of the message is Advancing in Grace, Advancing in Grace. Uh, but before we get into the word, let us bow our heads for a word of prayer. Uh, Father, we're so thankful because you are leading your people intentionally. Uh, Lord, we thank you, O God, because we embrace uh, the understanding that we advance as an army through accurate sight. Uh, we embrace the perspective of heaven. Lord, we thank you that we can only wield the sword uh, that has pierced our heart. So we, we welcome the sword of the Lord. We welcome the sword that brings healing, uh, that exposes the thoughts and intents of, the, of our hearts and brings us to a place of repentance. Lord, we thank you, O God, because you are building us. You are building in us to build through us. So we thank you, O God, because we are, we are the kingdom builders and you are building us into, into that spiritual house as living stones. So Lord, as we embrace this year where you are building out what you've built in us, Lord, we thank you for the grace to build. Holy Spirit, open the eyes of our hearts this morning. Light our candles and enlighten our darkness. Be our teacher, uh, be our guide. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You know, um, just before the new year, I was praying uh, with a friend of mine and we were, we were just making declarations um, on, uh, based on, on uh, Psalm 24, uh, where the psalmist, through prophetic revelation, was declaring, lift up your heads, O ye gates. And as we began to declare uh, towards 2023 and command the gates to be lifted up and the doors to be open as the King of glory comes in, you know, in my spirit, I saw an advancing train. And this train was not building momentum. This train was in full motion. I saw that advancing train moving towards the gates of 2023. And I saw this train um, filled with all kinds of things. And it had so many coaches that were laden with goods. And it was moving at rapid speed. Hallelujah. You know, I believe that 2023 is the year where the Lord will build out what he has built in. We're not going to need to gather momentum uh, in 2023 because the momentum has already been built internally. 2023 is a year of manifestation where the bounty of God that has been built in us over the years is going to bear fruit to the glory of God. I believe that the pipeline is full and there's going to be an avalanche. That's a word that kept coming from the middle of the year into my spirit. The word avalanche, an avalanche, an avalanche. There's going to be an avalanche in 2023. So get yourself ready. Uh, raise your expectation uh, because it's going to be a great year. So we're talking about advancing in grace. You know, the Lord is very intentional uh, and very specific about his choice of words. Okay. 
Um, he, 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 um, he said that 2023 is a year where we will receive grace to build. Grace to build. So let us examine those words very carefully. It means that we are going to build, but we're going to build through grace. The structures that we built are going to carry the DNA of grace as opposed to the DNA of personal effort. Okay? It says he's given us grace to build. So the emphasis is that the DNA of what we're building is going to carry the characteristics of grace, not personal effort. Now, this is not to suggest that there will be no personal effort involved. There will be effort there will be skill, there will be courage, tenacity deployed. But the single element that will, be clearly, that will clearly outshine everything else will be grace. Will be grace. Look at an example of this in Nehemiah chapter 6 verses 15 to 16. It says, so the wall was finished on the 25th day of Elul, in 52 days and it happened when all our enemies heard of it and all the nations around us saw these things they were disheartened in their own eyes for they perceived that this work this work was done by our God you see they had built the wall but when the enemies heard that they had completed it in 52 days, they were disheartened because they saw that this was a work of God's grace. Now, that is not to say there was not personal effort involved. If you read the book of Nehemiah, you see that they journeyed from uh, uh, Babylon back to Jerusalem. You see that when, we, when they got to Jerusalem, they allocated resources. They pushed against the despondency of the people they met there. Um, they allocated their resources, their, uh, their manpower effectively. Uh, they positioned themselves at different walls. They began to, the process of building. Uh, at some point, they had, to, uh, they had to build while defending uh, the, the building pro, the progress or project itself. You know, each person had, uh, had a sword in one hand and a trowel in another. Okay, so effort was deployed. They had to build in spite of the shenanigans of Tobiah and Sambalat and, and, uh, and uh, Noadiah and the prophets that were trying to discourage them and fill them with fear. But built they did. But yet at the end of it all, the testimony was that this building had the DNA of grace because they did a supernatural work. They were empowered supernaturally by the Lord. So we need to understand what grace is. And we need to understand how we build through grace. Because this is the year where we receive grace to build. We need to understand the structures that grace builds and how that is different from the structures that are marked merely by personal effort. And that's what we're going to examine today. Now let's start with a definition. You see, grace is God's willingness to deploy his power on our behalf in order to meet our need and to achieve his purpose. 
Grace is God's willingness to deploy his power on our behalf, to meet our need and to achieve his purpose. And this power is made available freely. Everyone say freely. It's made available freely without qualification. So understand this, that whenever we're talking about grace, we are talking about power. In the realm of the Spirit, when we engage with grace, everyone sees that the power of God, the substance of God, is at work. Okay, So grace is the deployment of the power of God. But then this deployment is made available freely without qualification. So grace is power. Grace is power. Grace is power. Grace is power. Okay, And it is made available freely without qualification. You see, we see this clearly in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. And I read from the Passion Translation. Peter says, Everything we could ever need for life and complete devotion to God has already been deposited in us by His divine power. That's grace. For all this was lavished upon us through the rich experience of knowing him who has called us by his name and invited us to come to him through a glorious manifestation of his goodness. In other words, the qualification for the power was because we're in Christ. Because we know him, because we're in him, he lavished upon us. He lavished upon us a rich deposit of his divine power for everything that we need for life and complete devotion to God. If you look at Romans 11, Paul speaking here, again the Passion Translation from verse 2, he said, God has not rejected his chosen, destined people. Haven't you heard Elijah's testimony in the scriptures and how he prays to God agonizing over Israel? Lord, they've murdered your prophets, they've demolished your altars. Now I'm the only one left and they want to kill me. But what was the revelation God spoke to him in response? The Lord said, you are not alone. For I have preserved a remnant for myself. 7,000 others who are faithful and have refused to worship Baal. And this is but one example of what God is doing in this age of fulfillment. For God's grace empowers his chosen remnant. I'll read that again. God's grace empowers his chosen remnant. And since it is by God's grace, it can't be a matter of their good works. Otherwise, it wouldn't be a gift of grace, but and by human effort. Okay, so God's grace empowers his remnant. And if it is God's grace, then it can't be a matter of their good works. Otherwise, it won't be a gift of grace. So grace, the power of God that is empowering his remnant, is based not on their good works. Okay, it is, it is unqualified. All right, because this is God's will. You know, as I read last week in Isaiah 11 verse 1, it says, The cut up stump of Jesse will sprout and a fruitful branch will grow from his roots. 
the remnant is being empowered. The remnant is being empowered at this time. And that remnant is being empowered by the grace of God. They are going to advance in grace. They are going to build through grace. And it is a matter of grace, not a matter of good works. Okay? It's not a matter of human effort. You know, it is very important that we calibrate our hearts to the empowerment of grace. All right? Because we can only build through grace. Now, now it's unfortunate, but sometimes when we talk about this and talk about the fact that um, it is God's empowerment that is unqualified and is not a factor of good works, sometimes people mishear what you're saying. They seem to think that maybe you are, you are, uh, you are encouraging or you are um, undervaluing uh, the importance of good works. Good works are important. Righteousness is important. Holiness is important. But you see, we need to recalibrate our understanding of why God does what he does and why he makes available what he makes available to us. Otherwise, what will happen is that your heart will close the door that God opens because you feel unqualified, okay? And when God opens a door for you, you see, it doesn't matter how good you are as a person. It doesn't matter how spiritual you are, how, how, you, know, how you are walking in righteousness and walking the fruit of sanctification. There are certain things that you do not consider based on your level of current development. You do not consider to be appropriate to you at this point. You might think, well, I'm still developing. Well, um, I'm too young. I'm too old. Uh, it would have been great, but um, this would happen in 10, 15 years time. Okay? And then when the Lord opens a door to you, 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 you withdraw from it and you don't engage with the required faith and courage to walk through that door uh, to possess what is made available because internally you don't consider yourself qualified. So it is important to understand that the remnant is being empowered by the grace of God and grace is the power of God and that grace is not based on their qualification that grace is based on what God chooses to do with us at this time. You see, in Romans chapter 5, verse 2, the Bible says that, it says, through whom we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. We stand in God's grace, God's empowerment, but we can only access that empowerment by faith, okay? But we close the door. Um, to faith, we close the door to courage. If internally we feel we do not qualify based on the magnitude of what God is making available. And that is why the recalibration is important. Understand that there is a difference, a big difference between a gift and a reward. A gift is not a reward. A reward speaks about the qualification of the receiver. But a gift speaks to the generosity of the giver, okay? Grace, God's power, is a gift. It's a gift of grace. 
He's going to empower you with grace in this time as a gift to build. So we need to calibrate, recalibrate our qualification for grace. Bible says again in Ephesians 1 verse 3, Paul says, the Passion Translation, he says, every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realm has been lavished upon us as a love gift from our wonderful Heavenly Father, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, all because he sees us wrapped into Christ. This is why we celebrate him with all our hearts. Every spiritual blessing, every spiritual blessing, every spiritual blessing is lavished upon us as a love gift, as a love gift, all because he sees us wrapped, us in, wrapped, wrapped up in Christ. So there is no spiritual blessing that you are not qualified for. Okay? I know it sounds like good preaching, but there's a whole different operation between um, you being excited and you recalibrating your heart to that truth. There is no spiritual blessing that you're not qualified for because your qualification is because you are wrapped up in Christ. You are wrapped up in Christ. Okay? Now, this is not saying, again, that we shouldn't seek to please the Lord. Of course, we seek to please the Lord. But I'm saying that what he is sending your way in 2023 is beyond what you consider to be commensurate with your level of preparation, maturity, righteousness, or manifested sanctification. So don't withdraw from it when it comes. Expect it and rejoice in him for it and accept it and walk by faith when it comes. And this is how God has always dealt with his people. Uh, look at what happened with David, the king, when, you know, David wanted to build God a house and, uh, you know, God said, you know, your, your, your son will build it. And the Lord sent Nathan to David with a word. And I'm reading from 2 Samuel 7, 16 to 22, the New Living Translation. Uh, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm starting from the tail end of some of the things that Nathan said to David. So Nathan said to David by the word of the Lord, Your house and your kingdom will continue before me for all time, God said, and your throne will be secure forever. Verse 17 says, so Nathan went back to David and told him everything the Lord said in this vision. Then David went in and sat before the Lord and prayed, Who am I, O sovereign Lord, and what is my family, that you have brought me this far? And now, sovereign Lord, in addition to everything else, you speak of giving your servant a lasting dynasty. Do you deal with everyone this way, O sovereign Lord? What more can I say to you? You know what your servant is really like, Sovereign Lord. Because of your promise and according to your will, you have done all these great things and have made them known to your servant. How great you are, O Sovereign Lord. There is none like you. We, we have never even heard of another God like you. The key phrase there is, David said to God, God, you know what your servant is really like. In other words, what you are giving me is way beyond what I deserve. Are you with me? This is grace. So we need to 
recalibrate in order to advance through grace, to build through grace. So what I'm going to do today is talk about some of the steps for recalibration so that we are prepared to build through grace and we begin to build through grace. You know, David, who, as we've seen, learned so much about advancing through grace and being empowered by grace. David in Psalm 1829, the Passion Translation, speaking about God, he said, God, with you as my strength, with you as my strength, I can crush an enemy horde. Advancing through every stronghold that stands in front of me. With you as my strength, I can crush an enemy horde. You, you see, it is not practical to expect that you can crush every enemy horde. Okay? I mean, you need to be practical. You might have strength for some and not strength for others. But David said, with you as my strength. David understood that even when the odds were against him, he could crush an enemy horde. So, engaging with God's grace was not a fury, was not a good thought for him. It was a practical thing that he entered into. Because when we talk about the grace of God, we are talking about the power of God. He said, I can crush an enemy horde. I can advance through every stronghold that stands in front of me. You know, there's a reason why firefighters run into a building that others are running out of. There's a reason. It is not because a firefighter um, has a death wish. It is because a firefighter has superior equipment and superior training. So when people are running helter-skelter in one direction, they run into the fire and they quench the fire. They are empowered with grace. Yeah? So the recalibration of grace causes you to assume certain things that others will have no, no business assuming. Like in the place of war, for instance, others will run when they have practically appraised the situation. Uh, meanwhile, David is moving in the direction of war. Okay? Some of your goals, as you are empowered by grace, some of your goals may break the rules of conventional wisdom and established goal-setting strategies. Okay? Because you have understood how to build by grace and you are walking in the, the real empowerment that grace gives. You know, Paul was speaking to Timothy uh, in 2 Timothy 2.1. He says, he spoke to Timothy, he said, You therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. He was saying that there is a dimension of grace that is available. There is a dimension of God's power that you can walk in practically. Uh, that you will be empowered by. Okay? If you read it in the Passion Translation, it makes it a lot clearer what it's saying. It's not saying just be, grit your teeth and be strong. You know? Uh, in the Passion Translation, it puts it this way. It says, he said, Timothy, my dear son, live your life empowered by God's free-flowing grace, which is your true strength, found in the anointing of Jesus and your union with him. Uh -huh. We'll talk a little bit about that because it tells you how. 
It talks about living an empowered life, but he says that empowerment is found. It's found. It's found. It's found in the anointing of Jesus and your union with him. There's an empowerment that's found there. Okay, We're talking about how we are going to advance in grace, how we are going to build through grace. But I'll come back to that. He said that to Timothy. There's an empowerment that's available. It is found in the anointing of Jesus, and it is found in your union with him. Paul himself was not just preaching what he hadn't walked in. In Philippians 4.13, he says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. In the Passion Translation, it says, I have found that the strength of Christ's explosive power infuses me to conquer every difficulty. So there is, there is an explosive power that's in Christ, and that power infuses me to conquer every difficulty. Now, how do we engage with that power? How do we enter the Christ dimension? How do we walk in union with him so that we can engage with that substantive power. I'm going to talk about three principles today of recalibrating our operations so that we are advancing or building in grace. Number one is grace baked into vision. Grace baked into vision. You see, your vision, vision is the template for building, all right? Um, if you're going to build a property, you need an architect's design. Everything that is built is based on vision, on that architectural drawing. And that is why one of the very first things that the Lord asked Jeremiah was in Jeremiah 1.11, he said, what do you see? What do you see? Okay. Now, your vision as a human being is based either on the limitations of the earth, which is pure practicality based on what you believe about yourself, what you believe is possible, and that vision can be framed by your own appraisal of your opportunities, what is available to you, your upbringing, etc. Your vision can either be based on the limitations of the earth or the limitlessness of grace. And when I say the limitlessness of grace, I'm not just talking about dreaming up some outlandish plan for your life just because it sounds so impossible that it's got to be grace, okay? I'm talking about a vision that is birthed from heaven. What is heaven trying to birth in you? Are you giving heaven room to birth something in you, to uncover purpose in your heart, or is your vision based purely on your own appraisal of what is possible for you, okay? Because unless grace is baked into vision, everything you build going forward will be based on that limited vision. If you look at the message Bible translation of 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 11, Paul was speaking to the Corinthians. He said, dear, dear Corinthians, I can't tell you how much I long for you 
to enter this wide open spacious life. We didn't fence you in. The smallness you feel comes from within you. Your lives aren't small, but you are living them in a small way. I'm speaking as plainly as I can and with great affection. Open up your lives. Live openly and expansively. You see, you can be a spiritual person. And when I say spiritual person, I mean you can pray, read your Bible, go to church, give your offerings and tithes. Um, like these Corinthians were, and still live a small life. He says the smallness comes within you, within you. You see, Paul said we are standing in the grace of God, but we engage that grace by faith. The smallness you feel comes within you. It comes from within you. Because your vision is small, because your vision of your future is based by the limitation of your context. That is what you are living. That is what you are building. That is what you are manifesting. Okay? It was Marianne Williamson that made the statement, your plain small does not serve the world. We play small because we see small. Okay? We play small because we see small. Okay? You know... Um, and that's why Paul was inviting the Corinthians to come up higher. Vision. Your vision must be baked. Grace must be baked into your vision. Otherwise, you will always build small because you see small. You know, in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9, the Passion says, This is why the scriptures say, Things never discovered or heard of before. Things beyond our ability to imagine. These are the many things that God has in store for all his lovers. Things beyond our ability to imagine. God has these things in store for you and I, but you and I will never walk in them until we begin to imagine what is beyond our ability to imagine. Okay? It doesn't happen just because God has it in store. No, we have to enter into his thoughts. We have to enter, we have to bake, we have to allow grace to be baked into our visions. So how do we see what is beyond our ability to imagine? Okay, how do we bake grace into our vision? This is where it begins, if we're going to build through grace. How do we see what is beyond our ability to imagine. In other words, if you sat down from here to, to the end of your life and you're trying to imagine, you will, not, you will not see it because it's beyond your ability to imagine. It has to come by revelation. Okay? Now, if you look at Habakkuk 2 verse 1, it says, I will climb up to my watchtower. And this is the New Living Translation. I'll stand at my guard post. There, I will wait to see what the Lord says to me and how he will answer my complaint. And the next verse talks about writing the vision down. So in the place of waiting to see, there will be an uncovering of vision. In the place of waiting to see, we're talking about how to see what is beyond our ability to imagine. Habakkuk says, in that place, this, uh, my God post, the watchtower, I will wait to see. And then the next verse, verse 2, talks about writing the vision. So there's an opening when you wait to see. 
If you look at Psalm 8 verse 3, again the Passion Translation, David said, look at the splendor of your skies, your creative genius glowing in the heavens. When I gaze at your moon and your stars mounted like jewels in their setting, I know you are the fascinating artist who fashioned it all. But when I look up and see such wonder and workmanship above, I have to ask this question. So you can see that rather than looking down at the earth, um, David is putting his focus in the heavens. He's gazing up. He's looking up. Looking up at the stars, at the moon. He was looking at the glory of God. That is where he was drawing his perspective from. Just like Habakkuk, who, who went up to his watchtower to wait to see what God will say to him. Look away from the limitation of your life and the limitation of your experiences and look into the limitless essence of God. We need to change our perspective. We need to change where we're drawing our impetus from. You know, Acts 17, 28 says, For in him we live and move and have our being. And also some of your own poets have said we are also his offspring. In 1 Corinthians 6, 17, the Bible says, The one who joins himself to the Lord is mingled into one spirit with him. You know, Paul talks about the fact that as we enter into the Christ dimension, and as we enter into union with him, um, we will begin to draw the power of grace, the empowerment of grace. Um, Paul talks about looking up to the heavens, focusing on the Lord. To the Corinthians, he says that he that joins himself to the Lord is mingled into one spirit with him. How do we join ourselves to the Lord? It is by waiting on him. It is by spending time in his presence. It is, it is by allowing our internal structures to be recalibrated by our perspective of him in heaven. It is by being found in him because it is in him we live and move and have our being. You know, Paul, speaking to the Philippians, said something very similar. In Philippians chapter 3, verse 8, he says, Yes, indeed, I also count all things lost for the excellency of knowledge of Christ Jesus my Savior, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things. And I count them as rubbish that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith. I want to be found in him. So Paul was, went through certain steps to untether himself from an identity that was anything other than an identity that comes from his location in Christ. Meditate on the fact that you are in him. Meditate on the fact that God sees you wrapped up in him. And through that positioning, you are qualified for all things. Meditating on the fact that you are in Christ. You are one spirit with him. And from that place, from that vantage point in him, as you begin to contemplate the possibility of your life, it opens you up to his dreams. Yeah? Your dreams are defined by where you are dreaming from. Okay? Your dreams are defined by where you are dreaming from. So the first step to advancing in grace 
is baking grace into our vision. Okay? Without this, limitation will be baked into your vision and that is all you will produce. We must break into vision that is beyond our ability to imagine. And that's why the, 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 the prophet in Isaiah 54 verse 2 says, in, increase is coming. Say to your neighbor, increase is coming. He says, increase is coming, so enlarge your tent and add extensions to your dwelling. Hold nothing back. Make the tent ropes longer and the peg stronger. Increase is coming. But that expansion must happen within. It must happen within. Your heart must be embraced, calibrated by grace, so you can open up your heart to receive a true download of what God wants to do with you. That's number one. 